You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here. I want to tell you about a benefit show that we're doing for our friend Jason Signs. He had a horrible accident and is currently uh, fighting his butt off to recover. So the benefit show is they're going to be in Los Angeles and New York City Monday, April 1st. That, of course, is April Fool's Day in honor of the very punny, funny, goofy Jason Signs. And in Washington, D.C., there is going to to be a benefit show on Wednesday, April 3rd. If you want all of the details, just look in the descriptions and you'll find who's performing. Obviously, Jackie's going to perform. I'm performing with Holden McNeely here in New York City. Ed Larson is going to be there. The whole Last Podcast family will be fighting for Jason Signs the best we know how through using humor on both coasts of this fine country of ours. So please, if you have those nights off check out those shows it's not just going to be some boring oh my god sappy event it's going to be full of laughs full of joy and quite frankly it'll be nice to spend another evening with our lpn family so all right everyone come on out support jason signs support a friend of ours and don't forget hail yourselves let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the show. I am Ben Kissel, and I'm staring at this guy, and I'm like, who is he? It's Travis Morningstar, but he's changed. Today, he's 30 years old. Happy birthday. Just staring out the window. I know. Stirring my coffee with a jewel vape. Mm-hmm. You're very morose. Mm-hmm. That's the word That's for That's a word it. I just taught well, you. I'm going to tell you. I know. I know <laughs> what happened. I know what words are. I know how to speak words. Uh, we're going to get to a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about the, the Mueller, the bombshell, the Mueller investigation. I'm not going to go into details on the Mueller investigation until I see the freaking report, and then we will talk about it. Unlike what's been going on for these past two years where television news, which these producers, I'm only being like half hyperbolic, but they need to be brought into the town square and I need to hear a teary apology uh, because the the Mueller report has been playing out right in front of our eyes. It's the 199 indictments. We already know the, Mueller the report. vast majority of what is in it because we've seen the people that are going on trial. So I will wait until we see it. Uh, hopefully it's not 100% redacted. I'm sure that there will be a lot of it that's redacted. 
Who knows if Bob Barr really has the best interest of the American people in mind? A lot of people say he doesn't. A lot of people say he's just he's he's a he's a sane, competent man, but he used to do cover-ups all the time. He was involved in the cover-up of the Iran-Contra scandal. Uh George H.W. Bush, he was you know, he was literally like nicknamed like cover-up king or something like that. Yeah. I forget what dumb freaking nickname they gave him. So, do I trust that Bob Barr is going to Give us the full report and nothing but the report, so help him God. I do not. But I'm going to wait until we actually have more substance to talk about so we don't end up uh, falling down the trap of so many freaking pundits who spoke out of their ass for two years and are now sort of um, eating their words or at the very least they didn't get the magic bullet. And this is what I've been saying for two years to all of my friends and to my listeners who are also my friends. Election. To beat Donald Trump, you win an election. And then he takes his fat, weird little puddle butt and he goes to probably Florida. Puddle butt? He's got a peach. I don't know what the hell goes on with that thing. But anyway, that's my only thoughts on that. You were saying, Travis. No, I, was, I mean, the, the, the Mueller report, it was the friends we made along the way. It was not the, it, this is the 88 words we got from Barr. Oh, I know. It was not, uh, <laughs> but the thing is he. 88 full words. Yeah. I think you can tweet it. I think we can currently we could, tweet the Mueller report. We tweeted it out. But, yeah. But, uh, I mean, in 2018, Barr sent a letter to Trump. That, of course. That basically, like, prophesized yeah. this moment. And now here we are. I know. And it's just like, well, I don't know why did why did Mueller just sort of go all right well here's all this work I did now Barr um, um, basically start creating like extreme tribalist factions even more entrenched yeah. than they than they were previously I know by by summarizing which Barr did write a letter to Lindsey Graham today saying mm. it wasn't a summary it was just the bottom line right, right. which was we're not taking Trump out of the White House no, in handcuffs no. uh, yes he is not getting perp walked out onto Pennsylvania Avenue. Um. Yeah, Robert Mueller, man. I mean, I've always been aggravated by the love of Robert Mueller because now, of course, the the Republicans. And I am also a little bit later on in this episode, we're going to talk about Ilhan Omar and some of her controversy. Or some people believe controversial comments um, regarding Jewish uh, folks of a Jewish faith, but mostly about the state of Israel, which. If you didn't think election time was in Israel, was going on in Israel, you know it is now because there's bombs flying overhead. Netanyahu's perfect plan, as freaking always. And I'm not even like weighing in here, but this is just a fact. Every time an election is about to come up for Benjamin Netanyahu, tensions seem to rise. I wonder if it's being manipulated or manufactured by a government to help maintain power by a certain politician. Is it possible? Of course, one of the ironies of Israel, the response uh, from Netanyahu regarding uh, the the bombs uh, that, that flew over Tel Aviv, and uh, honestly, extremely sad, of course. A, a family was destroyed. I believe it was a family of six or something like that. They were all killed. Hamas fired some bombs. Israel fired back many, many more bombs. No bombs are good bombs, and so certainly Hamas is not in the right in this situation by any means. I understand but you do have to wonder. The uh, the timing is always quite fascinating. There's, so we're going to talk a little bit about Ilhan Omar, of course, the, fe- uh, the freshman congresswoman out of Minnesota, and just talk a little bit about uh, what she said and uh, kind of the interesting, the politics. Yeah. Because uh, that's what we cover here, politics. The politics of Israel. I'm not weighing in on, I'm not going to weigh into the 
probably most difficult thing in the world currently to solve the Palestinian-Israeli <laughs> conflict. I don't think we need to be carrying that uh, burden right now. I don't think that's a cross we have to bear, but we will talk about it from the political uh, point of view. Also, I want to talk a little bit about Pete Buttigieg. Um, I'm, I think I'm saying his name I right. I think you are. Of course, he is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. He's gay, which I actually didn't realize he was gay until just now, which I think is fine. I'm not, obviously, I don't give a flying crap. I think it's wonderful. But I also like that he's sticking to issues. And according to Joe Scarborough, you know Joe Scarborough? Oh, yeah. He has a show. Scarborough in, Affair? <laughs> I don't know about that. But he has a show. And I know exactly what time it's on because it's in the name. It's called Morning Joe. Mm-hmm. And he said, and now this is Joe Scarborough, okay? He's married to his co-host, so we can trust him. He said about Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg that he is the next Barack Obama. So who knows? So we'll talk a little bit about him. And I also want to talk about what happened, of course, with Christ Church in New Zealand, uh, I had a couple of people DM me saying that uh, they were kind of upset that I hadn't mentioned this horrible massacre by a, a white supremacist, a white nationalist, a, a bigot, a racist, every every horrible thing you can call a person. We can attach it to this monster who I don't even I don't I don't think we know his name, do we? They, they've tried to keep that out of the headlines, which I really like the way New Zealand has handled that. I believe they did release his name, but they're not showing his face. His face. Okay. And they're not, yeah, the, the media is actually sort of making a concerted effort not to. They're doing the opposite of what we do in this country where we make them superstars. Like yeah, what we exactly. do with Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, which started this entire freaking phenomenon. Yeah, this guy's not going to be on the cover of Rolling Stone. Oh, he's not. Like no. He's not going to be like Sharnov on no. the cover of Rolling Stone with his shirt up so we can see his belly button and his ripple dabs and the blood streaming down his shirt so he looks really <laughs> sexy and cool for all the 13-year-old girls. Well, now you're editorializing. He did look sexy. But yes, technically I am. I understand. One could say this entire show is a bit of editorializing. (laughs) Um, But we're going to talk about that because I got some DMs being like, why didn't you talk about it? I focus on this show uh, on American politics. But what happens overseas has an effect on American politics. And obviously what New Zealand did just right away, like literally the next day, the prime minister, she's like, yo, dude, it's done. No more semi-automatics. So naturally... Us Americans, we have decided to take to Twitter and let New Zealanders know what we think about their not respecting our Second Amendment rights. And to that, I would say it's a different country. And they are allowed to do whatever the hell they want to do. And, of course, there are some New Zealanders who are not thrilled with the uh, proposal or with the new law banning semi-assault rifles. Around 11,000 folks or so signed a petition, which, you know, uh, not that in America, it would be uh, a much higher number mm-hmm. uh, than that. And dare I say, there would probably be a civil war. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what happened with the horrific massacre at Christ Church Mosque in uh, in New Zealand. Fifty people, innocent people worshiping, uh, died, murdered, massacred. Absolutely horrible. And, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I do believe in the sanctity of religious places you know that those are really sacred places for people and so there's something extra when we hear about these massacres taking place um at places of worship where people are supposed to feel extremely safe safest place there's it's supposed it's supposed to literally be the safest place for them in the world right yeah so and it reminded me of course of the white nationalist over in wisconsin this dumbass 
uh, he, who shot up the Sikh temple. Right. Uh, because he thought they were Muslim, and it's an entirely different religion. Um, and, of course, Sikh, a religion of total and utter peace. Uh, literally have never done anything wrong to anyone as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. I don't know all of the history, but that's my understanding. And of course, uh, this stuff, this anti-Semitism and anti-Muslim rhetoric is amplified. And uh, it's certainly something that needs to be talked about much, much more. Because if you look at the rise of white terrorism, uh, of white supremacy terrorism, it seems it's not going anywhere, and uh, these are the folks that uh, it's, it's extremely, extremely dangerous. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I also want to talk a little bit about the NRA. And, you know, when we talk about Mueller, the NRA has played a really interesting role in the whole Russian collusion scenario, that whole story. They have taken thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars from Russians. So it's around 23 Russians. They have given the NRA tons of money, and this money tends to go to Republican candidates. The NRA spent $31 million in total in 2016. Um, $9 million of that was gone to uh, supporting, straight up just supporting Donald Trump, and the rest was spent on destroying Hillary Clinton or negative ads against Hillary Clinton, which, of course, is an, a positive ad for Donald Trump because it's a pretty binary decision. Yeah. So uh, Senator Ron Wyden, he's a Democrat out of Oregon. He has been talking about uh, who is paying the NRA this money that that is then literally being funneled to the Republican Party. I think that's something we haven't really talked about when it comes to Russian collusion. We're kind of caught up on... Uh, you know, Trump deal uh, on the Trump Moscow Hotel, you know, we're sort of caught up on some other, you know, Donnie Jr., the emoluments clause or emoluments clause. But it's fascinating to me. And this is what I see as the NRA. And this is why the people who the four million, it's only four million people that are in the NRA. But they 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 hold our flag and they wear our flag. They, they've tried to co-opt what this country is. And they think that they're the only real Americans and all anyone else. Uh, that isn't a member, all the 310 million people or more that aren't members of the NRA aren't really Americans. But I think one of the ultimate ironies is the NRA is truly, this is not this is not a conspiracy, it is a funneling arm from the Russians to Republicans. Yes. So it's pretty freaking, <laughs> it's pretty un-American uh, to me, anyway. Well, I mean, obviously, that's how Russia views the NRA since they sent a Russian spy to infiltrate the NRA yeah, to right. inf, inf, uh, to influence U.S. policy through uh, what's her name Maria Butina. Yeah, that's right. That's it, like right. That, they just put her in there and put her like, in there. You're a redhead. Uh, go influence U.S. policy with the and NRA. The, yeah, with any luck, it'll work. And you know what? Luck was on their side. Beautiful women who, with a Russian accent, who love guns. Yeah, there's still going to be a market for that in American politics. Right on the precipice of getting it done. Absolutely. So I would like to hear more about that. We don't hear that stuff at all. Like television news is still rambling on about whatever the hell they ramble on about. And I would like to know why the NRA is uh, allowed to funnel money from the Russians and give it to uh, candidates, whether they be Democrat or Republican. They do. They are the vast majority. A Republican, of course, you have like a Joe Manchin um, out of um, out of West Virginia. There, uh, you have some more conservative Democrats that will also get some funding from uh, the NRA. But the vast majority are Republicans. It just is what it is. And I would like to hear someone freaking talk about that. But that is the power 
That is the financial, the political power of this small group of not just gun owners. I love gun owners. I don't give a crap. Have as many guns as you want, I guess. Uh, just don't do anything bad with them, please. That would be nice. Um, but I hate gun fanatics. People yeah. who like sl- like cut like, there's a new wig for your gun. Now you can kiss it on the barrel. Put some lips on it. It is disgusting. Gun culture is like, just if, if it's for protection... It's for protection. I don't like fetishize a knife for uh, or, or a home security system. I don't like look at my little camera outside of my home security system on my door, which I don't really have. But if I did have a home and be like, that is so hot. I need I need a I need a home security system magazine. I need to go to the conventions. If it really is for personal protection, it's a tool. It's like honoring. It's like loving a fork. It's a tool. So the gun culture. The uh, fetishization of guns, I just think it's yeah. its just like, it's disgusting. I feel like there's probably three types of gun owners. There's the people who actually like go hunting and mm. use it as recreational sure. uh, items. And then you have people who like are bootlickers who love to be told like told <laughs> what to do. Know. And then they own guns and like they fetishize sort of military culture. A lot of times those people weren't able to make it in the military because the few military people that I do know... Um, they're exceptionally disciplined. And I think a lot of these people who just wear the army fatigues, if I see someone in army fatigues and I don't see dog tags or, you know, I just, those are the scary ones. It's never the Marine that comes back that is just like kind of normal, you know, just wearing slacks. That's the scary one. It's always the fake G.I. Joe. But then you have uh, school shooters and and people who... uh... Absolutely. Well, let's talk about that here in in one second. Going back just briefly uh, to Mueller and... uh, how this this the news media drives me freaking crazy um but there's a guy his name is John Brennan i'm sure y'all know him uh he was the former head of the CIA now John Brennan was on the front lines of calling Donald Trump treasonous and hey man we all watched that freaking Putin press conference and Donald Trump is a cuck uh he is it was it, i didn't even disagree necessarily with that assessment that he was like, what the hell is going on here? And, of course, that's why, again, I want to see the freaking report. Every The way that Donald Trump acts around Vladimir Putin is like, something's at. Like, I don't know what it is. The fact that they destroyed the transcript, if you recall, uh, of their two-hour meeting. No other, no other folks were allowed in the room. John Bolton being one of them. Weird guy. Um, I've met him a, a, many, many times, actually, John Bolton. And, uh, you know, the, the mighty moustache, he is a strange, strange being. And it's bizarre knowing that he has a lot of power, Yeah, uh, of course. Um, but John Brennan talked about Donald Trump being treasonous. And he talked about uh, this is like there's definitive proof. He, he just kept on talking about all these sources. And I'm so sick of sources. If, you, if someone has a, if someone knows something, just I, I want to know. Who who the hell are these people? So John Brennan has uh, delivered sort of a mea culpa in some ways. Uh, this is what he said. This was on, uh, M- uh, speaking of Morning Joe, this was a quote from MSNBC's Morning Joe. He said, well, I don't know if I received bad information, but I think I suspected there was more than there actually was. I'm relieved that it's been determined there was not a criminal conspiracy with the Russian government over our elections. So this is why people need to shut up before they make definitive statements until we get all the facts because what 
this has done, what the media has done is give Donald Trump a freaking golden egg, that little spoiled <laughs> bratty kid. He just got a golden egg handed to him. And now the media is going to be conflated with the Democratic Party. Donald Trump's entire campaign against the media will now be rolled into his 2020 campaign as a cornerstone, even more so than it is in his presidency. And that's why, you know, CNN doing 24-7, six, seven days a week, every freaking day of the year, talking about the Mueller investigation. And this is what we get, which is, as I, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but uh, Travis and I were talking about it, another Warshack test yeah. because it doesn't exonerate, but it doesn't indict. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the biggest non-two-year news story so far. Yeah. Trust me nuts. It's a Rorschach test, and the test results are back in, and, and now- The nation's stupid. The nation just either sees a gun or, uh, you know, hopefully a universal basic income for some people. I don't know, but it is just, it's it's crazy. It's crazy to me, um, the way that this has uh, gone uh, gone about. And at some point, we'll see if William Barr- Will uh, will allow us to see what's going on. I'm sure that Congress within uh, within this week, probably by next Monday, I would assume they'll be looking at it in closed door sessions. Obviously, we won't be able to hear what's actually in there, but there are going to be some. There'll be more eyes on the Mueller report. So Apparently they we'll, release, we'll figure it. They're going to release the full thing in like four weeks or something like that. Yeah, and then uh, and again, a redacted version. And then, yeah. It's going to be a lot, a lot of redacted, a lot of redacted. Um, But let's go on now and talk about. So for all those people that the the one thing I was talking about, the fetishization of guns, fetishization of guns. (laughs) But the other person that was or the other thing or entity or idea, because that's really what it is, is an idea was the uh, fetishizing of Robert Mueller. Robert Swan, Swan Mueller, Mueller the third. I used I see these hipsters in Williamsburg. And uh, I would be a hipster, but I think I'm too fat. I'm 330 pounds. I don't think, I think I'm too big to be a hipster. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Let me know. Um, But you see these people wearing the Mueller shirts, and I'm like, he is still just a German inquisitor. Like, no way. If you look at, like, the photos of him when he was in the military, this guy could have gone either way. Like, it's just, he is just, he's not some god that is to be praised as some liberal savior uh, and, of course, he's also not some devil that's so, supposed to be demonized uh, like the thing that's trying to take down or like the person that's trying to take down the Republican Party and Donald Trump. So now you have a total flip, another one of these hilariously ironic flips where Fox News loves him. Fox News is all about Robert Mueller, although Judge Napolitano has said that this doesn't clear Donald Trump of anything. Um, and now, of course... More left-leaning media are like, can we trust him? Well, <laughs> literally 37 hours before, they were like, anything he says is God. It's gospel, and we love him. And it's like, okay, I can't I can't keep up with everyone's yeah, hypocrisy. He was the star of so many Game of Thrones memes. And, and, and now- Mueller is coming. I'm like, you, Robert Mueller is coming. I, I mean, I don't know. To me, as a, as a German, as a first-generation American with German uh, grandparents and a German father, I don't want Mueller coming. I don't want Mueller to be knocking on any doors or doing anything. It just kind of scares me a little bit. I wonder if, if Mueller is, like, privy to all of this, like, changing of tides of, like, who's... He's now in, like, the other people's club. Like, yeah. You're getting switched to the chess club from 
from the lacrosse team. Yeah. Like, do you, does he, is he aware of any of this or is he I just. Would, I would assume he is not like the president and does not watch any does of not the crap watch, that is yeah, spewed yeah. on television news. Um, so let's talk a little bit. So that's, anyway, let me know what you think. DM me on Instagram at benkissel one What do you think about this Mueller report? I just know from talking to a lot of my friends and a lot of friends who were like, they were sort of eating a lot of the lies that were coming from people like John Brennan, who now has, of course, recanted his past two years of speaking on television, which blows my freaking mind. But a lot of them were were disappointed, to say the least. And I was trying to tell them, I'm like, the proof is the 199 indictments that came down, Stone, Manafort, Gates, Papadopoulos, uh, Flynn, like that's the that's the report. So that's all we know. That's all we really can know at this point are the tangible things. So we shall wait, and hopefully uh, the entire thing just isn't uh, blacked out like people were on St. Patrick's Day. So anyway, that's, am I wrong about that, Travis? Am, no. I, am I wrong? Am I, when, did I, when did I become the guy from uh, – what's the name of that movie? I'm, I'm so upset I can't take it anymore. What's the name of that? It's not the same. <laughs> what's that movie called? Newsroom? <laughs> Uh, no, but what's the uh, oh, network? Ch- network. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm so upset I can't take it anymore. He's he so something like that. He upset. He says, so, uh, I think he says, I'm so damn angry and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm, I'm not really that angry. But, um, it, it is just the the only th- the thing that aggravates me the most is these people who we're supposed to believe are smart and we're supposed to believe are attempting to tell us the truth. And as someone who works in television news, I promise you they're not you're just as smart as all of them and as we're as we've seen you're probably smarter because you haven't been wrong on TV for the past 2 years or at the very least um exaggerating uh what you believe was uh, going to be the outcome when Mueller the Mueller report drops but when it uh, once my, it does drop the fact that the bottom line as Barr said was he's not getting handcuffed and, and taken out right away, right that means that nothing will ha- it will just be a more vivid version of the reality that we're living in once that once it's fully released and people can take away what they want from this big big document right right it'll just be a, a more exhausting version of what we're already in and it'll be closer to 2020 so it'll be more amped up so we're just looking forward to the hellraiser version of what we're already living in right yeah um, absolutely so don't it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be good. It's yep, it's but, just going to be an uh, an even more tiring. Mm-hmm. And I say that as I just turned thirty, and I realize every year every year is like a Mueller report that is released, and then you find out that there's nothing nothing there. <laughs> no, there's a reason to live. Don't no, be depressed. There. No, there is a reason to. I'm I I never celebrated birthdays, but this year, July twenty first, we're going to be in beautiful sunny Los Angeles, and I am going to say thank you. If anyone says happy birthday, I'm going to say thank you. I accept your happy birthday. Even though (laughs) birthdays are for the dying, funerals are for the living. I stand by it. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade 
in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Abe Lincoln's Top Hat a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at tophat.robinhood.com. This podcast is brought to you by Devil May Cry 5, an over-the-top action-filled game rated M for Mature, now available on Xbox One. Ever need to just slice and dice some demons while looking hella nice? This game is for you! It features three demon hunters, each with unique playstyles, but don't just take our word for it. Bleeding Cool calls it an elegant symphony of obliteration. Dual Shockers call it one hell of a good time, and Game Rant calls Devil May Cry the perfect action game. So come on and kick some demon ass with Devil May Cry 5. And remember, games play best on Xbox One. And speaking of uh, television news, this is a bit of a side note. Then I do want to talk about uh, what's going on with New Zealand in the context of the United States and uh, somehow people deciding to take to Twitter because they're just so upset that uh, New Zealand mourns differently than us, quite frankly. Um, but on, on Instagram this this week, I did put, because I get a lot of messages from conservatives, and they get mad. Or they don't, you know, honestly, the messages aren't mad. They just want to make sure, they just, they just like, they want me to have a conservative guest on or whatever. And I'm like, I don't really like to have guests on anyway, because I found that people, people just like to hear us, Travis. I think people are, like, bizarrely confused by your politics like uh, you, you showed a message on instagram well they was are. like i thought you were open to trans people and it's like I'm wait like, aren't you didn't you just talk about how you are like for uh trans uh tennis players it's like it's I, ridiculous i don't even i can't i i literally overturned a law in uh haddon new jersey look up ben, look up the image ben kissel in a dress it doesn't matter i'm not being like i am no, no it does not matter it's just a personal thing that's just what i believe and that just is what it is but i do want to say because i understand um i didn't i didn't know that so many people were going to be upset about it, but um i understand like when you know tucker carlson or a disgusting piece of shit that is gavin mckinnis or um what Alan Dershowitz, who I don't even know what his politics are anymore. Alan Dershowitz's politics at this point are basically like, I don't want to get busted for fucking kids. That is basically yeah. his politics. Bottom at this line. point, he's like, whoever doesn't arrest me for having sex with children, you have my vote, <laughs> sir. Or ma'am, I don't know. I just don't want to get Very arrested for having sex with children. Because, um, of course, Dershowitz, he was the one who defended. He was actually one of the lawyers for Jeffrey Epstein. He's a monster. Uh, he, he's a monster. And, of course, uh, Ken Starr, you know, all of these disgusting, disgusting scumbags. Uh, and Jeffrey Epstein, uh, of course, now Acosta, uh, now has a job with with Donald Trump. And, of course, we, we talked about all yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Already, we already covered that. Um, but it is interesting to me as a person um, to go and kind of communicate and understand what these people are because they do have a ration they have a rationale I don't know if it's rational but they have a rationale for what they believe in Gavin's case it's because he doesn't like black people um, <laughs> which is he went down the whole racial hierarchy right. so uh, you know um, that was which was illuminating because I'm like oh wow it's not like it's not like a lie when people say oh you're a racist he will happily claim the racist mantle. Um, but it, it was important for me in my political knowledge to have that kind of understanding 
Because then, I mean, maybe you take maybe you take something. I don't know. There, there are well. There's nothing good about that alt right movie. There's nothing. No, no component of it is good. Um, but it's just interesting. So that's anyway. So I just wanted to post that to my conservative friends and just be like, I don't. I know Ben Carson. He's very quiet. That's not a. That's not a lie. Technically, when he was on stage, that was his performance. <laughs> so you can imagine how sad. Sad, 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 sad it is to be in Ben Carson's presence. It really is like you want to snap and you just want to be like, hello, like, are, do you, are you alive? I want to put like a, like the gangsters used to do, put a mirror under his nose to make sure he's still breathing. Yeah. Uh, of course, I think they were hoping that the individual in the gangster films wasn't breathing. But anyway, so. I, and I'm constantly know. asking you, like, I'm constantly asking you what's. What the hell is Tucker Carlson like? Is he practicing the the confused dog head nod? Tucker Carlson has decided, um, for whatever reason, I don't think it goes much further than money, as as most things go in this country. Money has quite a bit to say about it. Um, but Tucker has simply decided to um, play on the most extreme when it comes to things like what what Fox News does is they highlight the extremism on the left. And there is extremism on the left. There's extremism in every culture, in every place in this fucking country. Um, but when it comes to, like, the universities. Yeah. You know, and then, like, oh, my God, they're freaking out over this, that, and the other thing. So they'll highlight these really extreme, extreme examples of children. Literally, you're in college. When I was in college, my I was so freaking far left. It was, I was, like, it was pretty crazy. Like, I was... I was extremely far left. And now as you get older, I'm more center left because um, that's what age does. But those don't those individuals don't um, they're not indicative of half of this freaking country. Those are college kids doing what college kids do, which is learning something new for the first time. And if you ever met someone who gets religion the first time. So have you ever met someone who gets religion and like the week after they do? It is a nightmare. I had a, a college buddy named Pete who we were roommates. He went out to some, I don't even know, he started dating some chick, I think, or he went to one of these Christian revival things. He came back on Sunday totally freaking different. We used to drink, you know, just play video games, just do normal stuff. And then he was just like this change. Like, I mean, in his mind, I think he was better. Maybe he was really depressed. I don't know. I don't judge religious people. You got to do whatever you got to do to survive. But he was a different person. And he was extreme. He was extreme in his religious faith. And that's what happens. When you go to college, you start hearing more of a real story in many ways of the of the founding of our country. Uh, you start hearing different opinions and different voices. Oftentimes, you might take your teacher's word for it far too much because I can tell you a lot of college professors are really stupid. Um, so you become, you get on fire for stuff. And, you know, and of course we have Antifa and, these, uh, and the right groups kind of clashing and going at it. It's just what kids do. It really is. I mean, both of those, uh, I'm not going to be like, oh, there's there's good people on both sides. I understand um, violence is never the answer, but um, that's, that's what college kids do. So what the left will, or what the right will say with like Fox News and with Tucker, they'll just highlight a small story from some college campus in Oberlin in Ohio. Yeah. And they'll be like, and that's the left. And it's like, no, that's a group of kids doing dumb shit. Um, so Tucker basically has just decided to go down that path. They have He has a thing called the liberal Sherpa on, who is, I don't know if she's real. <laughs> I don't, I can't tell if it's like, 
this bizarre like switch thing because everything she says is so crazy and I've never heard any of the my liberal li- Sherpa yeah and is she's she carrying talk- a staff no man she's just carrying a lot of stupidity and then she because she was the one she was talking about banning balloons and all this stuff. I, I, I have known left people I have known liberal people my entire life, and I have never heard one of them say, let's ban balloons. Okay, this is, this is a stupid. bit. This is a bit. That's why I'm like, this is so dumb. So what happens is, with media, now, of course, you can anyone can write a story about anything. And then, you know, when I produced at Fox News, you search, you search, and you say, oh, there's a story. And then there, and now it goes on TV. And it could be the smallest little story, but when you amplify it, to that uh, audience, now you got about 3 million, 4 million people watching it, as opposed to the 8 people that would have looked on the website, whatever, uh, whatever website it might be, Goop or something. Um, that's kind of what Fox News' methodology is. And all television, this is how television works. That's how television news works. Every CNN, MSNBC, RT, what, a Cheddar News, if you ever watch Cheddar News. I like Cheddar News, actually. But uh, that's, that's just how it works. They think, amplify micro stories, yeah. make them a much bigger story. And then they try to make that the entirety of a political party, whether it be Republicans or Democrats. Obviously, in Fox News, this case, it's Democrats. I think if you're a Fox News producer, you're thinking of like what what will make an old person shake their head the most furiously? Exactly. And literally, any, and rational people. It's not like if you watch Fox News, there will be some stories where I don't care if you're liberal or conservative or whatever. You'll be like, yeah, that was crazy. It doesn't mean that the whole Democratic Party <laughs> is freaking full of those people. I mean. It's the same way that they, but the irony, of course, is they won't claim Richard Spencer. Fox News will be like, no, he's not a Republican. I'm like, he has said multiple times that, as a matter of fact, uh, he votes Republican, he said, but he said he's not a Republican because they're not conservative enough, but he votes Republican, so yeah, that means he's a Republican. Um, for example, when uh, Dinesh D'Souza, I think I talked about this, that stupid freaking movie of his, America something, was talking to Richard Spencer. Of course, he's the... Founder of the alt-right, white nationalist, piece of total human trash. And he was trying to convince Richard Spencer that he was a liberal. And Richard Spencer is like, because he wants he wants socialism. It's, it's, it's kind of a funny Venn diagram of, of white nationalism, socialism, kind of. There's an interesting little thing in there. Um, but his whole thing, Dinesh was like, you're, you're more of a liberal. And the entire time, Richard Spencer was like, no, I am a conservative. And, and Dinesh was like, no, nah, I don't think so. It's like, I, I'm just going to take him at face value. Yeah. I think he knows what he is better than you. So Tucker just decided to kind of um, go down that road. Donald Trump has made Fox News, people that I actually did previously think, someone like a Greg Gutfeld, who I know. And, you know, I thought that he did actually, he was kind of, like when Red Eye, I don't know if you the show I produced was called Red Eye. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen you on it. It was on at 3 o'clock in the morning, and they had like fun guests. They used to have Guar on all the mm-hmm. time, and it wasn't even really political. Right. It was more like, whatever, come and say the wildest stuff you want to say. Um, and then once the Trump phenomenon happened, just to see people that I thought had a little bit more intellectual integrity mm-hmm. get wrapped right up in it, because at the end of the day, people want to be liked. And if you're on Fox News every single day, no matter how hard you try, I, I do Dana Perino's show sometimes. She does not like Donald Trump, and she really tries to uh, hide it. Yeah. Because um, when you're on that network, no matter how hard you try, MSNBC the same way. This is probably what happened to John Brennan. You want people to like you. And you realize 
that people want to hear you say nice things about Donald Trump. Or if you're John Brennan, you're on MSNBC, you realize people want to hear you say mean things about Donald Trump. And then everyone says, kudos, applause, thank you, hashtag brave. So no matter what, it warps your brain and it changes your perspective. And it's changed our entire country for the worse. Yeah, there's no more, there's like sort of a washing out of nuance. Everyone is wearing like a clown outfit. It's ridiculous. I mean, because well, going back to Tucker Carlson, there was this article a couple maybe months ago that was just sort of like charting the the evolution. Mm-hmm. Of I Tucker. read that, and yeah. he he used to write. I mean, I'm nowhere near conservative, but he used to he used to write sort of more discerning yeah. uh, articles about conservatism. Well, he was more of a William F. Buckley, of course, the founder of National Review, conservative, where there was at the very least in intellectual proposition yeah you know there was at least a intellectual uh idea to solve a problem the problem everyone agrees on the problem the the differences of course come with the with with how the process that's the problem um so yeah go but then but then i mean i think around the same time i i do not remember when this would happen in particular but at a certain point he put on the mask from jim carrey's the mask Mm -hmm. and became this cartoon version of himself this demagogue Right. Who only who uses broad like he mugs to the camera like he an does. improviser. Uh, it, then he became that person, and he that is it. and that is when he sort of tapped into a different kind of power. And so it, did. it, it just did. speaks. It just speaks to like you get more power, you get more of an audience, you get more money. Yep. And uh, speaks- when you tap into this thing, this mm-hmm. this dark amulet that Trump broke open. Uh-huh. Uh Yeah. So no, I, and it speaks to be careful what you pretend to be. Because dreams do come true. Yeah. And sometimes uh, maybe it's not for the best because you go back and you watch Tucker on Crossfire way back in the day. One of my favorite shows ever. James Carville is on there, a a left-leaning guy. And their conversations were freaking awesome. And I just thought it was a smarter time for the country. I feel like he used to be like kind of affable or something. He was. No, he was. He he just had his dumb little bow tie and stuff. Yeah, he was just a dork. But I remember him having like at least a little bit of almost vulnerability too. Uh, even when he was like having a big argument with John Stewart, you yeah, could see, no, he like, doesn't. You could see he was making his point, but he was also like being vulnerable and and trying to sort of have a conversation. Right. Now there is a, it is like a statue. Uh, it's it's just it's just <laughs> turning so, ever so slightly to the left or right, and nothing. Yeah. There's no actual dyna- dynamism there. And the idea that uh, any of these interviews, I mean, I did the interview. I defended Kathy Griffin on there. You can find that on my YouTube channel. Um, but the idea that they're trying to get any information to the American people is a total farce. Oh, yeah. There's no information. It's all theater. It's all spectacle. It's like the MTA so, uh, conductor trying to say something over the intercom, exactly. and it's just like, right. and then it just, and then you're like, what am I supposed Sorry, to do again? What do you? Exactly. And then meanwhile, you're, you're missing your stop because you didn't realize they were skipping 14th Street. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when it comes to solutions, let's talk a little bit about what's going on now in New Zealand. So the prime minister banned semi-assault rifles. And in this country, I think we had one chance. I think we had one chance to have rational gun reform. Yeah. I was just over in Kentucky. We, we just did a little tour. We were driving through Kentucky, and I was reading their local paper. The two gun laws that they passed, the two gun laws that they passed in Kentucky, in the wake of all the mass shootings, do away with background checks, and uh, I believe it was allow. It was something about allowing criminals to get guns. So they, they, they're, they're, the only gun legislation that passes in this country is the repeal of gun legislation. Make Obviously, it. we saw on a state level in Florida after Parkland, 21 years now, uh, to get a semi-assault rifle, and I believe they bumped, uh, they they blocked 
or stopped the sale of bump stocks. So it can happen on the state level. But, you know, going back to solutions. So New Zealand has this 50 people killed in this mosque where they're trying to worship. Absolutely horrible. And they say, let's nip this in the bud. We're no more guns. In this country, the solution was arm teachers. Yeah. Those are two very, very different solutions for what everyone agrees is a problem. So it's important uh, that we can try to, like, <laughs> between those two things, maybe we could just talk about um, also, not allow. Maybe we can just talk about going back to um, just the Brady Bill. We, we don't even have the Brady Bill anymore. That barely passed, and that man was one of Ronald Reagan's closest friends. He got popped in the head, was in a wheelchair his whole freaking life. The solution to arm teachers, by the way, didn't even come until after Parkland. It's re- Once, and that's a solution. The the thing Ugh. that happened after Sandy Hook was nothing. Well, after so the one time I was going to say this, the one time I personally believe that we had a chance to do anything about guns was after Columbine. Oh yeah, that was the first. That was the first where it's like, damn, what the hell happened in a school? Kids shooting kids. That was so. I four twenty nineteen ninety nine. I almost that's like my ACBC. You know, after Christ, before Christ, because after four twenty nineteen ninety nine, everything changed in school, but nothing changed in gun policy other than the NRA jacking up their uh, financial support for yep. Republicans. Um, and again, some Democrats, mostly Republicans, on a state level, getting these people peppered throughout our government. They are so marbled in, like a, like a, what's that sweet, Kobe beef. Kobe beef, yeah. They're so marbled into our government that we will never have, and this is like a sad statement, but I don't, I think that it's true. Even if there's a Democrat, I don't see us having gun legislation pass in this country. I just, I, I maybe I'm just being too cynical. I just don't see how it would happen at this point. We have so many, you know, the vast majority of guns are owned by around 10% of the people. And the idea of uh, somehow being able to have a gun give back or a gun exchange like what they did in New Zealand just is not in our culture. The American experiment is awesome in many, many ways. The one thing that I think if we could go back in time and change, at the very least, I would change the wording of the Second Amendment. They didn't realize what the hell that meant. (laughs) They really didn't. They're talking muskets, man. I mean, they didn't. The Founding Fathers, I don't want to speak for the dead, but I firmly believe the Founding Fathers would be like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. What is that semi, what are you doing with that thing? No, you can't have that. Um, And of course, I also understand this country was founded uh, with a disdain for government. Which yeah. is, of course, a, a cornerstone for people who firmly believe in the Second Amendment, but to a to a point where I think um, they're being a little bit religious about it. Also, I make you probably make a wild generalization here, but like New Zealand does seem like just based on its comedies alone, I think they're very matter of fact. I think that New Zealand as a country is very matter of fact, very common sense, practical people. Could be. And so when they see a bunch of people get mowed down by. Uh, semi-automatic guns they uh, propose legislation to ban assault rifles so, but also but in America we're really just like emotion based so this is a little story about this guy he was a farmer or he is he farms in where we're a rapper we're a rapper region no, no idea where that is and I'm sure I'm not saying that pro, uh, correctly his name is John Hart so John Hart's a farmer he posted a picture of him 
um, giving his semi-assault rifle uh, back. He's like, I'm giving it back. It's just not worth it. And then Hart, uh, he posted that on Twitter. He said he received more than 8,000 tweets directed at him personally. Telling, uh, He told the New Zealand Herald this. He said, it kind of went nuts. Within a couple of hours, I realized it was getting much, much bigger because it was getting comments from all over the world. He said comments on his Facebook page ranged from users accusing New Zealand of being a dictatorship to messages like, what kind of man are you? And that he and that quote he should cut off his own penis. Uh, it was a total trash fire, just incoherent rage. So you might be wondering, where are these where are these people coming from on Facebook or on Twitter? Seventy five percent of those messages were from Americans. Yes. So why are you even? So analysis by the Herald show that since the Christchurch mosque attacks on March fifteenth, that quickly led to a ban on assault rifles or semi-automatics. Uh, they have found nearly 9,000 tweets about the gun control, about the country's gun control, and uh, 90,000 retweets. This was the tweet that sparked a storm of rage against this man who, by the way, has the right to give away his gun if he wants to. Um, this The tweet was, Until today, I was one of the New Zealanders who owned a semi-assault rifle. Or semi-automatic rifle. On the farm, they are useful. They are a useful tool in some circumstances, but convenience doesn't outweigh the risk of misuse. We don't need these in our country. We have to make sure it is uh, never again. And he was just bombarded with people using the hashtags NRA, 2A, and MAGA. And, uh, you know, that's just really fascinating to me that these people who are so unbelievably in love with their guns, can't even deal with a foreign government making an individual decision about God. They think they think everything is a threat to them. Um, so I think that is a fascinating aspect of the story of this mosque shooting that, of course, is absolutely horrible. But when I heard that the prime minister was going to be banning guns, I was like, damn. That certainly did not take long. And in this country, the reason I'm so cynical, we lost 26 six-year-olds. We lost 26 five- and six-year-olds, babies. We lost 26 babies at the hands of the deranged Adam Lanza, and we did nothing. So what else is it going to take? 70 babies? I mean, literally after Sandy Hook, if, if that didn't change the momentum, then I don't know. Maybe I'm being too cynical. Um, speaking of that, I'm just looking at the newspaper here. A Sandy Hook father... Uh, he is the third father to commit suicide. Um, so these parents are still struggling, uh, obviously, with the death of their children. Which brings me to Alex Jones. Um, yeah. Travis was telling me yeah. that Alex Jones is evidently, yeah. of course, Alex Jones. You all know he was the he he was the he, he's on, he was on the front lines of the war against truth. Yeah, he believed everyone was a crisis actor. Mar Travis was telling me. Evidently, he said that he was in a psychosis. Yes, he was under a delusion that made him believe that he was surrounded by crisis actors. And so when when hmm. Sandy Hook happened, he all he saw were, were crisis actors getting away with a grand play, oh. to pulling when, one over on the American public. When I was doing Fox News Radio, there was this guy who used to call in. This young kid, maybe that's what, and that's what's so dangerous about people like Alex Jones. The young kids without any other, and I understand the idea of not trusting the news. Yeah, trust me on that one. I fucking understand that. It doesn't mean you go completely to the other end and start believing Alex Jones. That's the irony of all these people who are like, I don't know. 
I'm just kind of like, I'm critical and I think critically. And it's like, no, you believe Alex Jones. You must be like, you are being brainwashed. But this kid used to always call in and he was, he would always yell at me and he would always be like, Alex Jones is the truth. Literally, he would say things like tip of the spear that Henry says sarcastically, literally would say this stuff. And so for Alex Jones now to say, because of course he's in legal trouble and yeah. he's not monetized by YouTube. His 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 net worth is going down. Doesn't have as many listeners as before. He's making a public embarrassment uh, of himself anytime he can on Joe Rogan. I don't know why, <laughs> but now because of those factors, he is uh, reneging or taking back all of these hateful, horrible things that he has said, <laughs> and it just make it's just another reminder, people, not to don't take any like don't. Just never put all your chips in Alex Jones's basket or who any of the Tucker or Don Lemon or any of the or or New York Times. Don't put all of your intellectual chips in any of these institutions or people's uh, court um, Alex, because it's it's just not going to be a winning hand. You know, Alex Jones is going to double down and we're going to see like um, PS. He's going to do PSAs where he's like uh, warning against chili induced psychosis. I know the chili. Stay away from the ghost peppers. They make you sweat bullets, sea bullets. <laughs> Everyone's a crisis actor. Of course, uh, the reason that uh, Alex Jones, I believe, couldn't remember the name or the ages of his children was because he had too much, had chili. Too much chili. And he felt the need to say that on the stand. <laughs> and he thought that we were all supposed to believe that. And that's just the kind of world we live in now, isn't it? So that's that's my thoughts. I've on- been that nervous. I've been where that, you where you had to make an excuse that you had I too went, much chili? No, where I've made an excuse like that, like uh, I had a lot of cheese. I don't know. Somebody, I I was like having an awkward interaction with a boss one time, and I I for some reason I said like, oh, I had a terrible breakfast this morning, and that was okay. my reasoning for being so strange in that interaction. Honestly, I could see that. That's, an, that's an Alex Jones like yeah. type. Well, uh, no, we're gonna we're gonna be in the UK. You have your traditional UK breakfast. Um, I could see that. Messing with my brain a little bit. But the difference being, I did not say that uh, the people involved in Sandy Hook were crisis actors. Ah, yeah. that's right. I was more like, um, you know, flubbing words. Uh, right, right. Counting money wrong. Yeah. Well, you had a bad breakfast, buddy. Don't, don't, <laughs> yeah. even, don't even stress it, all right? Hey, do you think that cybercrime is something that only happens to other people? You may think that no one wants your data or that hackers can't grab your passwords or credit card details, but unfortunately they can. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. When you leave your internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why I decided to take action to protect myself from cyber criminals, I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. Using ExpressVPN, I can safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having my personal data stolen. 
Poland. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash top hat. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash top hat for three months free with a one year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash top hat to learn more. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on with Ilan Omar. Again, the freshman congresswoman. Um, she has some comments uh, about uh, about Israel, of course. Again, right now, the Israeli elections, I believe, are going to be April 9th. So right around the corner. And again, don't think it's a coincidence that we have a, uh, a rise in violence. Um, Hamas does keep the people in that area of Palestine under lock and key. Those people, when my girlfriend Brooke was out there, talking to some of those people, they are... It's not a lie, and it really isn't an exaggeration to say the Palestinian people are prisons in their own in their own country. They really are. They can't go back and forth. Jewish people are the same way. They can't go back and forth. The policy is just extremely, they're extremely strict. Over half, as a matter of fact, of Jewish people believed that Netanyahu's response wasn't strong enough. Damn. So when I say this is happening for a reason, it's because it's happening for a reason, and it's obviously politically advantageous for Benjamin Netanyahu to remind people that Hamas is their neighbor and they better keep up the war and keep up the fight, otherwise they're going to lose uh, their homeland of Israel. If you if you go to the um, IDF's Twitter page mm-hmm. right now they have a an amazing piece of propaganda video where right. it's this young woman um with a corgi oh. underneath a blanket in what seems to be an nyu dorm room uh and there are there are explosions like an audio track of explosions playing underneath the video as she whimpers with the dog staring into the camera to remind you that this uh that you know the huns are at the gates <laughs> It, it is very it's okay it's like a three minute video where she's she's staring into the camera and like whimpering with a dog like right protect right. me from the other right right and of course i mean again we are not we are not even coming we're not jimmy carter here if jimmy carter couldn't solve the peace crisis or the uh the, the crisis between the palestinians and and uh israel i i don't think that we can but um it is interesting i i put this on twitter it's kind of an interesting conundrum between the two parties the democratic party Obviously, uh, eight members, eight people who are running for president did not show up at APAC. That, of, of course, is the financial arm of the Israeli government and a huge, huge um, Israeli lobby group, lobbyist group. Nancy Pelosi was there. Chuck Schumer were there, was there. Um, but some people running for president were not there. Move on called for a boycott of it or asked, asked for the people who are running for president not to attend. Eight of them did not. Um, the just because so I just want to clarify this just because you have issues with how Israel is handling the issues that that they have such as obviously the the conflict with the Palestinian people and Hamas doesn't mean that you're anti-Jewish now I think Alan Omar I don't know how much it has I don't know the fact that she is Muslim or the fact that she wears a headscarf I don't know how it's hard to quantify how much of that plays into 
the outrage of what she said about Israel. I don't know. Um, but you can criticize I, you can criticize Israel and it doesn't make you anti-Semitic. Uh, it's, it's, that's the politics of Israel. It's not about the Israeli people. That, those are human beings that are running the country, that are making decisions that, quite frankly, I do not agree with. Benjamin Netanyahu. I do not agree with Benjamin Netanyahu. He was running against this guy in his last election named Herzog. And Herzog ran on a much better, more moderate platform, a platform that was about unification, a platform that was much more about healing. Um, and Netanyahu was like, well, I'm definitely going the other way. And, of course, because of that, he was able to win, and that's the will of the people, although, again, not, not all of the people, the same way Donald Trump doesn't represent all of the people here. So you can, you can, you can be critical of Israel, and it doesn't make you anti-Semitic. So the interesting conundrum there is the conservatives, or, and this is a way blanket statement because there are some anti, true anti-Semites in the left, again, Louis Farrakhan, these kind of people, um, but in a, in a broad brush, Conservatives tend to be very pro-Israel because, quite frankly, Israel, they're the U.S. military on steroids. They got our money. They are a great ally when it comes to Iran. They are, I mean, they are loaded with with weapons that all say USA on them. So the conservatives like them for that reason because, quite frankly, they're killing brown people. And also because once Israel has their state in some stupid, crazy way, rationale of this is mostly of the religious people then then the christians and the jews are going to fight and then once that fight happens then jesus comes back it makes all the sense in the world but then at home you'll see obviously as we were talking about with the alt-right movement with the jews will not replace us that we saw in charlottesville you know these people who are extremely anti-semitic about jewish americans so the left tends to be more critical of israel and less critical of Jewish Americans. The right tends to be more critical of Jewish Americans and less critical of Israel. It's sort of a strange thing, but why would that be? Because there is a core tenet to the alt-right that they believe in ethnostates. Yes. That's why they love Japan. Yep. That is why, that's why they like, um, what's the Japanese, what's the music without any bass? Or what's the, they like, they like, uh, like synth? Is it synth? Synth. They like music that has no, um, basically like rhythm. Okay. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so that's why they like Japan, and that is why they like Israel. Israel is an ethno state. Uh, Israel is a state that is not like Israel is. They've never said welcome all. Like, and I understand there's a history that makes them a little cautious. Mm-hmm. I get that, but Japan, same way. That ironically is why members of the alt right or p- people who lean in that political direction like those two places yeah, because when, they're jealous <laughs> of their closed borders. Yeah, when you say they like the Japanese, that doesn't mean they want them to come No, visit. no, they like them in Japan. They like where yes. they are, and they game-recognize game. Right. They appreciate their distance yep. and their uh, similar uh, mindset as far as people outside of their race. Yep, no, that's that's it. So it's one of these bizarre things to try to explain where it's like they like them, because they all they hate them. They like them because they also hate the way that they hate. So in some weird marriage of ideas, it all works out. I mean, it's no different than people like, you know, George Wallace, separation, uh, you know, segregation now, segregation, whatever, forever. Um, people who, people, there are certain people who will always believe in separation. And that's, 
So it's, well, it's mean, a strange, it's, it's hard to conceptualize. But again, that is why it's important to speak to some of these people so you can understand. Because Gavin McInnes, going back to him, he was trying to tell me on his show, and I think I mentioned this, that America isn't a nation of immigrants. And I'm like, you're Canadian. You are an immigrant. You're literally. You well, are the. You are the definition of. You are the. <laughs> you are the definition of hypocrisy if you utter that sentence. He's also the guy. Didn't he like say he was getting discriminated because he was a racist? Yeah, he's getting discriminated because his neighbors are putting up signs that say "Don't hate," <laughs> and then he said that's discrimination against me. Wow, I want to hate. I can't practice my own religion. He can't practice his own hate, and of course he can. Uh, he can do whatever the hell he wants to do. But then your neighbors can also put up signs being like, "My neighbor's a douchebag," so. or "My neighbor is Canadian." Oh, which is. I'm not going to di- – I'm sorry, Canada. That reaction was just involuntary. I love Canadians. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's just my little my little rant on um, on kind of the differences there between being anti-Israel or not supporting all of Israel's policies and being anti-Semitic. I mean, I kind of feel like Sam Neill at the end of In the Mouth of Madness. Like I'm oh, like yeah. laughing hysterically because I've lost my mind. Oh, yeah. Engaging with this because mm-hmm. it is all just, just a shadow puppet – shit bull like, it's crazy it's not it doesn't make any sense and the fact that people are engaging with it m- means that they've won that little ploy right to make you think that this is all super important and that ilhan is actually an anti-semite yeah. and they're somehow blameless and all this it's yes I'm, and so I'm, I'm just fucking laughing in my seat it, it is it, it would be funny if it wasn't tearing our country apart so the uh candidates i mentioned eight candidates did not go to apec uh the people that did not attend bernie sanders you can't really accuse him of being anti-semitic as far as i remember as i think he's know, jewish i am jewish i am jewish i cannot be anti-semitic um senator kamala harris did not go Elizabeth Warren did not go. Beto O'Rourke did not go. O'Rourke. Julian Castro, who hasn't really been making too much news. I thought he was going to get a little bit more I press. Anything. Yeah. No, he's been same thing with uh same thing with Tulsi Gabbard. Like they announced and then they kind of went away. Hmm. But uh, there's a lot of time, a lot of time left. Washington Governor Jay Inslee did not go and going back Pete Buttigieg did not go either. So those are the Democratic candidates for president that uh, decided to uh, skip APAC, and I don't fully understand. I don't think that's controversial and not even no. being anything. I don't. The less money, the less financial influence, the less these candidates are beholden to certain groups, um, it's probably better for the American people as a whole, whether it be the NRA, APAC, or whatever move. I don't care, left or right. I like when candidates are a little bit more independent. Of course. That's just, that's just me, though. All right, and just, uh, let's see, I want to talk a little bit about Michael Avenatti, but I'm going to just cover that at the very end because I think we all knew that that man was, <laughs> was I don't know, cre- creep, not, what's, uh, scummy, scummy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like kind of oozed scum. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that, but before that, Pete Buttigieg, he's a, con- a, a candidate I kind of want to highlight a little bit here. Uh, he is a 37-year-old gay mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and he is polling... Hi, he's doing better than a lot of people thought he might. Of course, limited name recognition. Being the mayor of South Bend isn't exactly being the mayor of New York City. Uh, it's a small, small position, certainly when it comes to uh, the presidency. But uh, there, So there is some criticism being like, he's just the mayor of a small city. But again, we have Donald Trump as president, so uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be able to hold as a valid argument against him. But Buttigieg, who I would love to interview, by the way, if you know the people, if anyone knows 
uh, Buttigieg's people. We're in contact with a couple of them, but please try to convince them uh, to have him come on the show. I'd love to speak with him. So he is riding the wave of good press. He gave a very charismatic performance uh, in March 12th. Uh, There was a CNN town hall. He's doing well, raking in donations. And a recent national survey actually had him tied with Cory Booker. Uh, He is beating Gillibrand, beating Klobuchar, beating Hickenlooper, beating Delaney out of Indiana, Williamson. And honestly, one of the reasons we haven't heard so much about Julian Castro, perhaps, is he's currently polling at zero. Uh, Andrew Yang also polling at zero. But I like Andrew Yang, and I think his ideas are extremely, extremely valid. Um, So he's kind of coming out of nowhere and, you know, making a case for democratic capitalism. That's what he likes to call it. Uh, He's much more moderate. He doesn't embrace the democratic socialism method. um, And he seems to be striking a chord very similar to Elizabeth Warren, a good grassroots populist chord talking about economics, talking about jobs. I would like to hear him talk more about automation. That's why I think Andrew Yang is such an important figure. Um, who I mean, I don't know how far he's going to go. It really doesn't matter. It's about getting the messages out, as we talked about on last week's episode with Travis Irvine. So Buttigieg is sort of filling uh, you know, a little bit of that Midwest. I mentioned how Klobuchar was the only one from the Midwest still running, and that was wrong. Pete Buttigieg, of course, as I mentioned, coming out of Indiana. So he is doing a good job, I think, of of talking about issues that matter to a lot of people. Uh, the fact that he's gay, um, I think, uh, again, uh, he is not he is not running to be the first gay president. He would be a president that happens to be gay if he would somehow be able to pull this off. And he is connecting, I think, with a lot of people that felt disaffected by the Democratic Party. The fact that Hillary Clinton cost the Democratic Party the blue wall. Now, of course, the blue wall, Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, obviously Minnesota held, but just barely. Um, it's good to have someone with the Midwest vibe, with what he is uh, talking. He's relating to people who really do feel as if the Democratic Party has moved away from them. And I think that's extremely, extremely important for the party going forward, if there's any chance or if they uh, if they really want to beat Donald Trump, I, I think engaging. Now, I'm not saying it has to be Pete Buttigieg. I'm not saying it has to uh, be someone who just you know sucks up to the Midwest. But they do have to engage those people better than they did. You can't take votes for granted. You can't look at history. You can't look at polls and be like, well, that state's guaranteed. That state's guaranteed because they're not. People are, you know, as we talked about many episodes ago, the Obama-Trump districts, there's a lot of Obama-Trump districts. Yeah. So it's extremely possible we could see a Trump-Buttigieg district or a or a Trump-Warren district. Absolutely possible. So I think he's doing a good job, and I would love to speak to him and, uh, and just kind of get into his mind a little bit, uh, polling at 3%. So, I mean, it's not, it's not massive. But again, in a field of, what are we at, 21, 22, um, 3% is, you know, it's it's he'll get in the debates and he'll have a chance uh, to express himself and to express his views. And I think that is a good thing for the Democratic Party as a whole. So any thoughts on Buttigieg? I like him. You like him. I, like I, him. I don't hate him. That's for that's for sure. And uh, the Democratic Party has to go back and uh, get get some of those folks who maybe stayed at home, voted for uh 
Well, maybe he voted, voted for Jill Stein or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what people do. I don't know what people do. Anyway, that's my little thing on that. And then lastly today, uh, thank you all so much for listening. I love you all very much. You can DM me on Instagram at BenKissel1. I don't really look at Twitter. So feel free to DM me or tag me in um, in the stories, and I'll try to put those stories in my story. I try to do it as much as I can. So lawyer Michael Avenatti, uh, he made himself a household name, of course, by basically bashing Donald Trump, and as we were talking about with John Brennan, getting all of the positive feedback that went with that. Uh, he was talking, uh, Avenatti would talk about how he would walk walk down the streets and people would shake his hand and say thank you. And that's the interesting <laughs> thing. That's the interesting thing about these new, like a, like a lawyer celebrity or a detective celebrity, with people who actually don't have a full understanding of what being a celebrity is or what being recognized is for, for example um so for me i am just beginning to be able to accept when people say a compliment i am mm. just like people like i love you and in my head i'm immediately like well that means they hate me because that can switch in a dime you oh, yeah. know oh, yeah. and it's really it was it, it still does it's something i'm really working on is to just be like okay just accept that they like you that's okay but one of the ironies about becoming or being a little bit more well known is it's not a fuck party it's not like now. Oh, now I get to be wild. Yeah. One of the ultimate ironies is now you kind of got to chill out a little bit, um, and not you know Michael Avenatti's out here having sex with with groupies and all this wild stuff and really eating his own, uh, you know, his own media. He, he's yeah. really eating it all up. Like I am, I am the man who's going to take down Donald Trump. So he let his ego get to- to- totally, totally out of control, and he a- attempted to shake down Nike for as much as $25 million by saying he was going to expose a college basketball player payoff. So I'm just going to tell you this. When your ego gets so big that you think you can take on Nike, the corporation that still uses child slave labor and we all wear their we shoes. We all just go along. It all, we are all just like, yeah, that's who makes the shoe, yeah. But did you see the new Jordans? We changed the subject relatively quickly. When you think you can take on Nike, Check yourself. Don't you? I mean, and like, just check yourself. I mean, he literally sent emails to Nike being like, yeah, I, I'm going to I'm gonna drop the bomb on you all. I want 10 million, 20 million bucks. Like, it was so low level and so stupid. And then he went on Twitter and was like, big scandal coming to Nike. I forget the names of the players and whatever school they even went to. And also, these players deserve to be paid. They should put the money in a trust and they should get the money uh, when they're done playing or after they graduate. But... As soon as he put that tweet out, like it was literally like 30 minutes later, Nike is like, or then, then an indictment came down. It's like, that's extortion, you dumbass. Yeah. And you think, you think for one second you are going to be able to take on Nike. You got to take a look in the mirror and just pinch yourself and be like, I am just a person. He did the thing that like a, like a, not even a well-known sitcom actor does where they, they have like a bad flight and they're like, at Delta, please give me a <laughs> refund for the horrible yeah. flight. Yes, this is it, exactly. This is what he said to Nike. This is a, a partial transcript. Uh, the feds say Michael Avenatti secretly recorded trying to shake down. Also, he secretly recorded. What a moron. Trying to say, shake down more than $20 million from Nike. So this is what he said. He said, I'm not fucking around with this, and I'm not <laughs> continuing to play games. You guys know enough now to know you've got 
got a serious problem, and it's worth more in exposure to me just to blow the lid on this thing. A few million dollars doesn't move the needle for me. I'm just being really frank with you. So if that's being contemplated, then let's just say it was good to meet you and we're done. And I'll proceed with my press conference tomorrow. I'm not fucking around with this thing anymore. So if you guys think that you you know that, that we're going to negotiate a million five and, and you're going to hire us to do an in, internal investigation, but it's going to be capped at three or five or seven million dollars like, yeah, let's just be done and I'll go take 10 billion off your client market cap, but I'm not fucking around. And then Nike was like, you're a fucking <laughs> ridiculously stupid person and that's called extortion, my friend. So the irony is he's looking at significant jail time and uh, because again, his ego got too big he's, and he literally thought he could take on he Nike. He thinks he's a vigilante. This makes me think that like there, must be, some, there must be some people in Gotham City that hate the Joker and Batman the equal the yes. equal amount like both of them. There are, has to be some some good moderates who are like, well, technically Batman does destroy the city he's every a, single he's time. A vigilante that uh, um, needs to be brought to justice. Yes, the, we we don't longer have any bridges or standing buildings really because he he saved a one woman. Um, I don't know if it's really worth it, Batman. Thank you, um, but no, that's. That's Michael Avenatti for you. I, I I could see that the skis and of course Stormy Daniels. Obviously, I'm sure you all know that's why he got famous. Um, she doesn't. I don't. He he used her in many many ways. Yeah. And uh, he he uses a lot of people for his own celebrity. He even floated the idea of running for president. And I'm like, you are. You've got to stop reading your own press. But this is like a whole another like mutated type of person the person that is just anti-trump and that's their entire identity right right and it it's fuck it's disgusting it's stupid uh, and you see it on social media obviously a lot where people of course. are just like that their whole thing is just saying like sir the dignity of the office etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah and that is like and they do get their validation yeah and of it's course. just like but that, it's very that's very easy it you're you're against the Honestly, the wizard of oz that like is that's why that's your thing that is exactly how brave. Hashtag brave. Yeah, really no, brave. ideas matter. Different people, different ideas. That's what matters. But I firmly do believe when Donald Trump talks about how the media wants him to be in office, that is not a lie. TV news loves this oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the producers, everyone wants to think, oh, MSNBC is so liberal or CNN is so liberal. They are all run by capitalists who want that money. That's why Donald Trump got 20 times more coverage in 2016. That is why AOC is getting more coverage now because she gets views and it it alters the conversation, it changes the prism, and it changes reality. So all of these people, they don't care about politics necessarily. They care about views. And Donald Trump freaking gets it to him. So don't be surprised when you see him again getting all the press coverage he can possibly want to rant and rave in his pajamas. So. Anyway, don't don't believe everything you hear, as the old adage goes, including this show. Check check yourself. Do some do some double checking. Um, but we try to be as trustworthy as possible. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Happy birthday, Travis. Thank you. You all are the best. We will see you on the road. Okay, everyone. Hail yourselves. Talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.